Amen. 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 Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Um, every week, Pastor Brandon comes up here, and he, he says it's a, it's a privilege and it's an honor to be on this pulpit, and I, I think that's like an understatement. It's truly a, a, a privilege to be here. I, I, my heart is like overjoyed right now. You don't even understand. Um, just reflecting on this moment, you know, I was reflecting on it with my wife, and this is probably the most important thing that I've ever done in my life preaching the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ to a group of people. Yeah, no, no pressure, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? But the scripture uh, I'm, I'm talking about today or I'm preaching on today is it's a pretty familiar text. Um, it's a, a text that you might have uh, known growing up in church or reading the Bible. For me, it's personally a, a, a verse that has been ministering from, to me for years. Um, is, this verse is like wine. You know, when you, with wine, you, how you put the wine in the barrel, and after it ages year after year after year, it gets more tasteful. And for this verse, it's been, you know, on my heart and been sitting with me, and it's been able to speak through my life, and it's been really fruitful for me, and I pray that it's fruitful for you as well. My, my wife did give me one rule, though. She gave me one rule when I was coming up here and preach. She said, babe, uh, please just don't go up there and, and start preaching about Tupac. <laughs> she, know, she knows me. She knows that I'm a, a hip-hop head. She knows, like, how I get down. So, like, I promised no Tupac. I didn't promise Biggie, though. You know, we in Brooklyn, so we might, I might have to slip it in there. So, uh, let, let's, let's, I'm excited to get into the Word, so let's, let's, do, let's dive in. Um, the sermon title today is, is A Dose of the Truth, um, and the scripture is going to be tw Romans 12, 1 to 2, and I'm going to be reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Christian Standard Bible is a really good version. It's like really close to, to the Greek, the, the translation, and it's, it's really dope, so read out of it. If you don't know, now you know. See, I told you I was going to mention big. <laughs> there you go. Um, but let's read. Um, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I like the way that J.B. Phillips translates this verse. He says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give your bodies as a living sacrifice, concentrated to him and acceptable by him. Do not let the, the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may, that you may prove and practice the plan, the plan of God is for you, is good, meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this moment, O oh Lord. We thank you for each and every opportunity. Lord, this is, is, it's, is definitely a privilege just to be awake right now. It's a privilege to be um, just breathing right now. And you've you given us the opportunity to deep, 
go deeper in your word, oh Lord. We just, we thank you. We, we invite you here. Our, our time here without you is purposeless. Lord, we invite you to, to come in and, and, and kick me to the side. And we want you to be the vocal point, oh Lord. We want you to speak, oh Lord. Teach us how to worship you. Teach us how to obey you. Teach us what our minds should be like, O oh Lord, and give us the truth, God. We pray all this in your beautiful name. Amen. 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 So I don't know about y'all, but uh, I really, really, really enjoy the arts. Like I, I, like I told you, I'm a big, big hip-hop head. I love music, all types of music. Um, I, I love photography, and not like the photography you guys put on IG, not that... You, <laughs> You guys think that because you got like a filter or something, you guys you are doing something in a photography game, but like I actually love photography, like going into the dark room and, and messing with the exposure and things of that nature. I love, I just, just started to really get into movies. Like I'm really, like really into movies. Specifically, I have an expertise in gangster films and romantic comedies. Yo, I love, I love me a romantic comedy, yo. Uh, but... Uh, I've been watching Netflix a lot, and when you watch Netflix, like they give you all these suggested, like um, you know, these suggested movies to watch, and they've been giving me a lot of documentaries to watch. Uh, have you guys ever watched The Thirteenth? Mm-hmm. It's a really great movie, and there's another one, Making of a Murderer, really, really dope. So I've been getting into documentaries, watching them a lot, and with these documentaries, I, I didn't. I used to hate documentaries. I didn't like it. You know, when I think about documentaries, I go back to high school, history class, when you're watching a documentary, the lights are off, and you're falling asleep, and I know a lot of you could relate to that. Like, and that's, that's, that's what I relate to. That's what I used to relate to documentaries, but they're, they're, I've been researching it, and in the early 2000s, they started to kind of reform documentaries, and they started to make it a little bit more just like, personal. They started to use more uh, cinematic themes and better storytelling ideas, and they had better technology. And another thing is, they were spilling all the tea. All of the tea was being spilled. Like, documentaries like Fahrenheit, uh, 9-11, Bowling for Columbine, Sicko, they got really popularized because they pretty much were exposés, kind of revealing uh, undiscovered truths. And what they did was they pulled the viewer in to this deep investigation of like history scandals. And I, I have a personal favorite documentary of that time. And that documentary is Supersize Me. Have you guys ever watched Supersize Me? It's a really good movie. It's a really crazy movie, but it's really good. And um, Supersize Me, if you haven't heard it or haven't watched it, it's, it's, it's a movie about the dangers of the fast food industry. And this man, this nuts man, his name is Morgan Spurlock. He conducts an experiment using himself as a guinea pig. For 30 days straight, he can't eat, drink, anything that's not on the McDonald's menu. It's nuts. And the results are insane. Let me, let me go through them. This guy, he's perfectly healthy. He's done tests. He's gone to doctor's office. He's perfectly healthy. But when, at the results after the 30 days... He gains 25 pounds in 30 days, pretty much a, a pound a day. He, uh, body fat increased by 7%. Got high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, experienced depression, laziness, headaches, started experiencing heart palpitations, 
uh, diagnosed after 30 days, diagnosed with fatty liver disease. And it, what was happening is the enzymes from his liver was pouring into his blood and it was making him really, really sick. And even the doctors, they were telling him, stop this, stop, stop, stop this. But he kept going. And ultimately, which was really crazy, what I thought was like nuts, is he started to get these intense food cravings. So what that means is the same food that was making him sick, he got addicted to, which is just crazy. And, and what, you know, what was the purpose of this experiment? He wanted to show himself as evidence that McDonald's food is no good. That he was pleading to the viewers, you know, if you see these results, if you see me, you can't no longer be ignorant. And with, wide, with eyes wide open, we can admit that the fast food industry is damaging our health and is the intelligent thing to do is no longer eat it. You can't eat it anymore. And, and Paul does the same thing in Romans. What he does, he, he uses the example of our former lives. He says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an, an intelligent worship to leave your former lives and follow Christ. Let me give you a little background behind, behind um, Romans. Romans is a, a book written by the Apostle Paul. And it's, it's considered the most expository, the most explicit, and the most comprehensive book in the Bible when it comes to the gospel, which pretty much means it's just it, Paul's going in. He's really going in. The, there's a hip-hop term when somebody's like, like going in, he's, they're spitting, they're going really hard, every line is like hard-hitting, there's no word wasted, there's, you know, his flow is just perfect. The line is called, no bars off. He's taking no bars off. In, 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 but in Rome, he's taking no verses off. Every verse matters. Every verse is important. You know, if, if, if the New Testament was on Netflix and you binge-watched Romans, you would be caught up on the gospel. You would be all caught up. But if we, you know, we go a little bit deeper, you know, Romans, it's, it's, it's really interesting that Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he would never went to. And it's strange because all the other letters in the Bible, he sent those letters to churches he planted. So you think about uh, Corinthians, you think about Colossians, you think about Galatians, you think about Ephesians. Every, every of those, those, those churches that he sent letters to, he actually planted. So they were inherently more personal. You know, he saw those people. He, he knew those people. He, he cared deeply about those people. Sometimes he strongly rebuked those people. And in those letters, he rejoiced with them. He mourned with them, as well as he, he, he understood and shared their struggles and their, their dysfunction. Oh, it, Paul saw some dysfunctional churches, y'all. They saw some craziness. Like, he, he had to rebuke. When you have to rebuke somebody about incest and bestiality, you know things is going left, Right? It's crazy. But with, with the letters to the Roman, he takes a different approach. He, he starts talking about the gospel and the clear gospel and the complete gospel in a very, very concise way. And I think that's the approach that we should take when it comes to, you know, preaching to people that we don't know or talking about the gospel with people about talking about the word of God to people that we don't know. If we don't know somebody, 
it's hard to talk into their life. Pastor B talked about this at Bible study. He said that sometimes you have to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. And, and what, what, when it comes to evangelizing, the greatest priority is making sure the gospel is pro- proclaimed. And then, you know, after a while, you can start rebuking people. You know what I mean? <laughs> but Paul, Paul he goes throughout Romans, and he, 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 he really, what he, what he ultimately wants to do, and he says it throughout the book of Romans, he wants to um, use Rome as a kind of like a hub or like a, uh, like a home base to do missionary work in Spain. And it's interesting because the letter of, of, of Paul, uh, the letter of Rome is similar to like a proposal or like a business plan. And he's like trying to galvanize support, trying to galvanize support. And he's saying, because this, this powerful, this powerful gospel message, because of you, you see, you see the gospel, I want to spread that to the world. I want to spread that to Spain. And you guys are close to that. So support me. And that's why it's so powerful and impactful. So just like a, a lawyer, he, he builds a case for a, a, uh, a client. Paul, he builds a clay case, uh, and he, he, he shows the reasons to serve Christ um, in, in chapter um, 12, 1 to 2. So let's, let's get back into the Bible. Let's start reading you know, what we do generally at this church. We, we read a little bit, uh, stop a little bit, explain a little bit. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm really big on words, phrases, and concepts, and I think that it really helps explain the text. So let's, let's dig in. All right. So, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, I urge you. Let's stop there. You probably know what I'm going to say right now. Bibles, uh, Sunday School 101, what is the therefore? All right, some, some of you guys are getting golden stars. The other, I don't know what, what about the other, <laughs> the other half. But yeah, what, Paul is, is kind of trying to explain what is the therefore, therefore. And um, he, he pretty much is pulling up all the receipts of the gospel, pulling up all the receipts of the gospel from chapter 1 to chapter 11, pulling up the receipts, pulling up the receipts. What, the, what are the receipts? We can go to chapter 1 that says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believe. Chapter 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and they are justified freely by grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. gospel. Chapter 5, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we've also obtained access to him through faith. Gospel. Chapter 5, uh, chapter five verse 8. This proves his own love for us, that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. That's the gospel. Chapter 8. Therefore, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Jesus Christ is, has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's the gospel. So he's bringing up all these, these evidence, all these receipts of the gospel. And, and I saw this thing, this thing on IG, the phrase, you can't argue with receipts. You can't argue with them receipts. You just can't. You can't argue with those, those truths. So let's, let's continue to read. He says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual worship. 
And I know, like, there's sometimes that we, we have these moments where, where we, we, we want to give our lives to God. We want to give our, our, ourselves. We want to just, we just want to do it. We want to give our lives to God. There's moments in, in, in churches where, where we, we have that, like, that epiphany moment, like, oh, everything belongs to you, God. I want to serve you. That's all I want to do. That's everything that I want to do. I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do anything to betray you, Lord. And, and then we wake up the next morning. <laughs> and then we, we get a text from your girlfriend or your wife or your boyfriend or your husband or your mother. Even worse, your boss or your coworker. And just things just go out the window. Oh, she's annoying. Like, nah, she's not gonna she's not gonna talk to me like that. And and we want we want to live. We have this desire to live ourselves as as a as a sacrifice. But there's also this tension where where we also want this freedom. We want our freedom. We want to be you know we want to be able to do what we want. And and I did, I did like a Bible study in Galatians before, and then and I said, for freedom Christ has set us free. So it's it's kind of weird. Like for freedom Christ has set us free. But we have to live our, our lives as sacrifices. What, what's going on? Like, it's kind of conflicting, right? It sounds like it's conflicting. And it's like, like so, so what is God? Is God for my freedom or not? Is he there? I don't know. I, is, he, is he really there for our freedom? And I think we have to think about, like, freed people. Think about the, the person that you think that is most free in your life. Just think about it. Just think about them. And what's their character? And, and what, what type of, you know, what type of things that they do? You think about it, and, and we realize that people that are free, they don't care what, how other people think of them at all, at all. They, they don't care how they look. They be looking crazy sometimes. <laughs> and, and most importantly, what do they care about? They care about doing what they love. And that's it. That's the meaning of life. That's their purpose, doing what they love. And, and Paul states that if you believe what I mentioned in chapter 1 to 11, your only response is a great, tremendous love for him, for God. And if you love him with a true and a mature love, that this is true worship, and it's an intelligent worship. So this is, this is the response, giving our lives as sacrifice. He says that even in Romans 2, he says, verse 4, he says, do, or do you despise the riches of, of his kindness, restraint, and patience? Not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Like, this, this, his love for us, Jesus Christ, him sending Jesus Christ is supposed to lead to our repentance. It is. It is. If we believe what we believe, the intelligent thing to do is to present yourself as a living sacrifice. And it only makes sense. That's what makes sense, to do that. All right, let's, let's go. Let's continue to go. And I love, I love the second verse. The second verse is just so dope. Like, it's just mad poetic. Let's read it. Um, it's like, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That just sounds dope. I'm not even going to front. That sounds like, I don't know, even, even I feel like non-believers will take that, will, will listen to that and be like, yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? It just sounds good. But I think we can get a little confused with the wording, especially with this word world or this age. Um, age and, and world kind of like 
like intermingle. They, they, they're used the same way a lot of the times in the Bible. And the word world could be confusing because there's so many different translations for it. So world could be either two things, the, the, the Greek word called ion and, and a Greek word called cosmos. So in this specific text, Paul is using ion. But when he uses ion, there's three different definitions for ion. So there's like this, it can get confusing if you don't know the real meaning of, of the word. So world, ion can be the sum of all that was created, the universe. Um, it could be forever or eternity, or it could be this present age. And, and Paul talks about this present age or, or time period. And, and Paul uses this, 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 that, that specific uh, definition for this specific time page or time period, but he, he uses it as this specific time period that is a dwelling place of sin and sinners. So he, he's like, he's telling us, do not be conformed to this world. He's saying, do not be conformed to this time period. It, it's, it's really bad for us. It's, we shouldn't do it. And he, he gives First John uh, chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, he says, uh, John says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Or if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For anything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, the pride of one's possession, it is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world, with its lust, is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. But there's a thing, like, I don't think we believe this as Christians a lot of the times. I don't think that we believe that this world is bad for us. I don't think we so, we're so used to digging into our flesh. We're so used to it. We're so used to being ruled by it, and we think that it's okay. We think that it's okay, and, and it's not, like, we, we don't understand how bad the world is, how bad the world it is. We don't, we don't get it. Like, if you, a baby sees a fire, and they don't know that the fire will burn it, they're going to go towards it. Fires look amazing. There's something mesmerizing about fires. I'm going to go towards the fire, and I'm, it's just sound, it just looks beautiful. But once you get burnt by the fire, you know that the fire is no, it's no good for you. We, I think a lot of times, us as Christians, we don't know that the fire will burn us. So, so what's wrong with the world? Paul talks about it in Romans. He, he says that as humans, we are trapped in this world of sin and selflessness. Where, where humans and the human heart and the human mind are broken, we've been torn away from God to embrace idolatry and find ultimate significance to created things and give ultimate alliance to those things that are not God. So pretty much we worship things and we don't worship God. And, and, and it's, it's crazy because it creates this, this distorted humanity, this, this, this place where we're just driven to do wicked things and have wicked behavior. And, and like humanity is, 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 is hopeless because we're abandoning our father for things of less value. And I, I just think about it like 
I have this wife, this beautiful wife, and I love her so much. I care about her so much. You know what I mean? I, I, I lavish her. I take her out on dates. I wine and dine her. I take care of her when she's sick. I, sometimes I got to blow a bag from time to time on her. You know what I mean? Take her out, do, get her nails done and stuff. And just imagine, just imagine if, if, she, if she divorced me for, for a dude that got no job, got nothing going on with his life. That's what we do to God. That's what we do to God all the time. It's, it's crazy that we, we give ourselves to other things that are not valuable. But thankfully, but thankfully, like, God is not like us. Because if us, with our sinful nature, we don't deal with betrayal. We don't deal well with betrayal at all. Me, God is still working on me. You know what I mean? If, if, even if you, if you mention some of my exes, I, you know, I will, I, some of them I've written up so bad that they don't even exist anymore. Some of my homies will, will mention the ex-girlfriend, and I'll be like, who? Oh I, oh, I don't know that person. Oh, that person doesn't exist anymore. Like, that, they don't. But, but, <laughs> but God's response is totally different. His response to our humanity and our betrayal is Jesus. And, and it's so, instead of holding humanity guilty as Charles, as, as we deserved, God sends us Jesus to the world to die on our behalf and, and, and sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus takes the consequence that we deserve, consequence that we've caused with pain and death and sin, and he just absorbs it. He, he overcomes this all with his resurrection. And, and, and he then gets victory over death. And he makes it available to all who trust in him. Yeah. To make it simple, to make it simple, he becomes who we are, humans, that we become who he is, victorious. Yeah. And this is how we sinners with wicked hearts and wicked actions, become justified. Because of Jesus sacrificing his life for us, we now have right standing. We now have that stamp of approval, and we're forgiven. And we're justified, and we're no longer sons and daughters of this world, but we're, we're, we're now heirs of righteousness. We're, we're now sons and daughters of a family of faith. We're also, we also, we, we inherit this freedom, we inherit this, this, this access, and we become steps, steps away from, from we, we get to step away from our former life, and we get to dive deep into a new life in Christ. And, and I, think, I think, you know, this is amazing. This is such a great idea. This is such great things, such great news, but, but we have a problem, though. Y'all messed up. Everybody, y'all messed up. We're, we're messed up. Our, our flesh, our flesh, it's crazy. We want to do the right things, but our flesh battles with us. It really does. Yo, I was preparing yesterday. I was like, yo, I'm going to be straight holy. Like, I'm going to be praying all day. I'm going to fast. I'm going to just keep it really holy, yo. And, and yo... I'm over here just 
going to uh, Trader Joe's, trying to, trying to get some breakfast for my wife. I'm trying to get breakfast for my wife, and all of a sudden, somebody gives me a free sample. I just took that free sample, ate it. I didn't realize I was fasting until I left Trader Joe's. I wanted, I wanted to fast. I wanted to not eat anything. But my, but my flesh, my flesh is crazy. And, and, and a lot of times, it's our flesh, but, but there's... The, but it's our, it's our flesh, but there, there's, a, there's, a, there's another issue, which is a bigger issue. It's, it's an issue of the faith. We have an issue of faith. And I think a lot of the times people think that faith, the opposite of faith is doubt. And that's not the case. The opposite of faith is thinking that you got it all together. The opposite of faith, thinking that you, you, you've got it. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to be dependent on Jesus. This is what, this is what our issue is, faith. And, and a lot of us think that we can transfer our, transform ourselves into a new self. And we don't have to submit our lives to the obedience of the Lord because we got it all figured together. We got everything like set up. And, and, and the thing about the world is even non-believers know that the world is messed up. You can look at the news. You can look at it. You see Anthony Bourdain. You see the case spades. You see the Kanye's, the Kid Cuddies, the, the Michelle Williams. Michelle Williams talking about if Jesus says yes, the ones that even proclaim Jesus messed up. And it's crazy. And, it's, and, and, and we live in this world where, where we just think that if, if I'm conscious enough, if I make enough effort myself, if I think about being a better person, think, I, I got it. I, I'll, I'll be able to move. I'll be able to, 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 to be better. But I'm telling you, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah. The devil is out here. Not, he's not playing fair. He's not playing fair at all. The Bible says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers. It's against authorities. It's against principalities. It's against cosmic powers. It's against darkness, against evil. And like, good luck with your self-help book. It ain't going to work. You know what I mean? The, wor the world is, is sick. The world is sick. It's depression, anxiety, addiction, misogyny, greed, love of money, lust, pride, 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 pride. Yeah. And, it's, and, and we, we, we fit, we like contaminated. Like they, we're in this area where, where it's all sickness everywhere. And, and we don't play about, around with sickness in, 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 with, when it comes to our health. If there's that person at work that's sneezing, sniffling, talking about they got the flu, but then want to shake your hand, you're not shaking their hand. And you, and you putting on hand sanitizer. You might put on one of those. I work in a hospital. I put on that mask real quick. But, but when it comes to our, our, our spiritual, like, spiritual sickness, we'll rub against somebody that's sick. We'll be in the world that's sick, and we don't have nothing that guards us. We don't, we're just so... We don't care. We'll, we'll be in the sickness. We'll be in this contamination. And thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Savior, because he does two things on the cross, two main things. He does, he, he atones for our sins. He, he sacrifices ourselves for our sins in the past, the present, and the future. But after he dies, three days after, he, he defeats, he defeats death by raising raising and, and resurrecting. And I, I think that we, we kind of 
kind of get this disordered because we think about life and death and we think about that word, we think about mortality, but that's not the case. With death, he's talking about this, this cosmic power, this, this, this evilness that is within this world that's controlling our flesh. They call it uh, elementary principles, this, this thing that, that is driving us to, 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 uh, to sin and, 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 and separates from God. But it says that God, Jesus kills that. He defeats it. And now we have access to it because we've called ourselves and professed ourselves as Christians. It's so crazy. So my favorite song, I have this really, really good song. It's called, um, it's called the anthem song. I don't know if you heard it. And then it goes, hallelujah, you have won the victory. Forgive me for my voice. Hallelujah, you have won it all for me. Then he says, death could not hold you down. That's it. Death couldn't hold him down. Death couldn't hold him down at all. And now we have access to, to, to be with that, with that same victorious, the same victory that Jesus had. And that's so amazing. It's so amazing. So let's continue. So we have being transformed, being transformed by the renewal of your mind. I really truly believe that the presence of the Lord is therapeutic. Point blank period. It just is. It just is. I love the idea of like working through mental health and like I, I, like, like I champion it. I, I love that, that um, you have the option if, if your family doesn't, get you, or your, your, your friends are not understanding you, or even your church is not understanding or can't deal with a specific issue, you may need to, to go to a council of a professional. But let's not get it twisted. The issue of the mind begins of what we think and, and what you believe, and more specifically, who you believe. And it, the, the presence of God is therapeutic in a couple of ways. It, it transforms you. It, it exposes you. exposes uh, like exposes you to, to, to who you are, it impacts things in you, and also it, it's only effective if you continue to do it. Just like therapy. Therapy, it, 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 it transforms your thoughts. There's this, uh, there's this uh, specific model of therapy they have. It's cognitive behavioral therapy. And what they do is they, they uh, and, and a therapist will help you and train you to re replace negative thoughts with positive ones. And that's what we have with the cross. That's what we have with the gospel. We, 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 we get to take the lies that the world tells us. They, we get to tell, take the lies that the world tells us, and we, we reverse it, and we replace it with Jesus' truths, that, that we are redeemed, and that we, we have a support. We have a support system through the Holy Spirit. You think, me personally, you think I came up here all like, oh, I, I got it, like, I'm, I'm straight? I came up here trembling thinking like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to say, or I, I think I'm not the best speaker, or, or I'm, I, I, I just don't think, I'm a sinner. What am I going to tell these people? But God switches my thoughts, switches my thoughts. You know, Timmy, you are redeemed. Yo, Timmy, you're, you are holy, not because of you, because of me. Timmy, I got you. Even my, my name, Oluwatimi Lane, my Nigerian name, Oluwatimi Lane, it means God has got my back, is standing me up, so I'm reminded constantly, God got us. 
And what it does, he also exposes us. He exposes us to ourselves. A lot of the times we think that we are good people. But when you brush up against the holiness of God and those scriptures, you know that you're not holy. You know, I, I used to think I was a person that was very generous. And then I started reading the scriptures. They said true Christianity, true Christianity is when, you, when you're giving charity to orphans and, 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 um, and widows. I don't know no widows. I don't know no orphans. But it's... But, <laughs> I'm just I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But it, it, when you think about when you think about like the the pure of of what Jesus calls us to do, we can't do it on our own, and exposes us to to really realize the righteousness of God. It exposes us, and and it, and with therapy, it's expect it's only um, effective if you if you continue to go. What happens is. He says, it says, be transformed. Be, it's a verb. It means you have to go and do. You have to go and do. That means that we, we are being, continuously being transformed. And, and, and what, what he really wants us to do, he wants us to get more, more holier and holier. And what he wants is, is, it says what the will of God is. It continues, the verse says what the will of God is. So we may discern what the will of God is. The will of God, it says it in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, it says the will of God is our sanctification. And what's amazing is in, um, in the same book, I think it's 2 Thessalonians, he says, he says, if you ask me anything, you can ask me anything that is in my will and you will receive it. So he gives us the power to actually ask for something that's in his will, which is our sanctification, and we get to ask for it to help us get better. This is not the, it's not the will of God for depression. It's not the will of God for anxiety. It's not the will of God for these things, to, to us for, to be slaves to our sins. And we can ask it. We can ask him. We can be transformed if we only stay in his presence. We can do that. And, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave off with this story. I have a friend of mine that, that I used to work with. And when I, we, we, we became friends when I, I just got out of college. I got my first job. It was a front desk staff at a hospital. And it was this Jewish cat from, from Westchester, this guy. Um, we, we would always complain about how broke we were. And, and you know, you always, you could always like bond with struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean? You always bond with struggle. But I, it was so confusing because his parents were lawyers. He was really affluent. So, but he, for some reason, he was always broke. Like it was crazy. But I knew he was broke because we would get like five dollar footlongs together, and like we would like we would be doing broke stuff together. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but I, I, there was one day that I, you know I was complaining about you know uh, loans and like how loans were so terrible and it's like systematic depression and how it's it's just wrong that these banks are being predatorial against these young people that's selling them dreams and hopes of the. A potential job, not actual job, a potential job. And we're spending thousands of dollars and they're giving us super crazy amount of interest rates. And I'm like, this is so nuts, isn't it? Isn't it? And he's just in the corner, just chilling. He's just hanging out. And I'm just like, yo, you don't agree with me? And he says, uh, Timmy, I don't have any loans. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so, so, oh, so I get it. You, you live on the Upper East Side, your, your apartment's really, really expensive, and like, you know, that's, that's what it is. Your apartment's expensive. And he says, Timmy, 
my dad actually owns that apartment, and, and I actually live there for free. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so um, so your, your, your utilities are probably mad expensive, right? <laughs> yeah, so your utilities, utilities are probably mad expensive. And he's like, nah, I, I actually don't pay utilities. I actually don't even pay my phone bill. And I'm like, and I'm confused. Because I'm like adding up, a, like, what, what are you spending your money for on? I'm like, and I'm, I'm literally talking to him. I'm like, maybe we need to call HR. You're not getting paid right. Or maybe you got a gambling problem. All these things, thoughts are coming in my head. And like, and what happens is he, he, he tells me something really crazy. He says, Timmy, like, I, I've, I, I first have an investment probably with my, with my brother. So a lot of my money goes there. Then he tells me something really profound. He says, also, I give a part of my money to my parents. And I thought that was so profound because his, his loans, his college is paid off. His rent doesn't have to pay it. His parents are doing good. But he still gives out of, the good, out of his heart to his parents because he loves them. He cares about them so much, and it's, it's, it's so great. That's, that's how we should be thinking about the Lord, about God, about sacrifices in our lives. We, he doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us anything at all, but we, 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 we give to him because he loves us, and he loves us deeply. All right, let me end off with a prayer. Um, Father God, we just thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for allowing me to just talk about your word, talk about you and the goodness of you. Oh, Lord, we give every ounce of glory to you. We love doing this. We love examining what you want to tell us and, and, and how, how it could apply to our lives, God. We pray today that you really show us what true worship is, what intelligent worship is, what what. what what we really, truly need to do to honor you, Lord. Lord, don't let the scheme of the devil trick us or trip us, oh Lord. You have the power, oh God, not to just allow us from stumbling, but keep us from stumbling, oh God. And we just thank you, God. We praise you. We honor you, oh Lord. And we just give you every ounce of glory, God. God, we pray that we, we leave this place changed, and learning something new, oh Lord, and that your, your, your gospel message ultimately saves us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.